The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Good Sunday afternoon, everybody. Welcome at 1 800 919 3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM, along with Will the Thrill and Tom Bauer. We call them TB 987. We're here until 3 o'clock. Then a very important game three. Our coverage begins. Rangers, Hurricanes at MSG. That's the pregame show. You know how important it is. We're all over it here on 987 ESPN. Welcome. Our show today, 1 o'clock, we'll chat with my colleague, Alan Hahn. He'll talk a little bit. We'll get a little thought process about what's going on with the NBA playoffs, why the NBA just will not give the Knicks a break. I thought maybe if I left town, okay, maybe then the NBA would find a way to give the Knicks a little higher seating in the ping-pong drama that they ha- that's now become its own show. Nah, not the case. As a matter of fact, they, they didn't move a bit. They were 11. That didn't work out. And, of course, at 2 o'clock, I'm looking forward to it. It's been a long time since I've had the pleasure to speak with him. He is Adam Graves, and he will get us caught up, revved up, his thought process about Game 3, Rangers-Hurricanes at MSG. So I'm looking forward to that. That's our lineup. But we begin with a little baseball. And, obviously, we'll talk a little Mets a little later. Because while I was away, another injury to the Met pitching staff, this time Max Scherzer. I, I, I don't know. It might be... Fourth of July before he returns. But the Mets find a way to keep winning, and that's what they have to do. And this is the one thing I said about the new manager, Buck Showalter. And we give him all the credit. There's been a resilience with this team. There's been a calm with this team. There's been a sense of professionalism with this team. And even though Francisco Lindor has apparently found out, lost his way to hit, He's been in a tremendous slump. They still find ways to win. And now there's some a little more adversity. And when you face adversity, that's how you try to figure out where the leadership comes in. And for me, if this was, and it might be unfair, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it anyway, because I've watched Buck Walter in action, because I, I respect his attention to detail. I respect his craft. I respect what he brings to the table. No matter what happens with this team, I'm confident that he will, through his experience, his wherewithal, will find a way to navigate through those waters to get the Mets to where they need to be. So under normal situations, I would be almost, I guess you could say, in panic mode. Not so much with Buck. So they'll find ways. And it's just a matter of everybody, the next man up, doing what they have to do. That's what it's all about. And they'll recover. I, I can't tell you the uh, surprise that when I looked on the schedule, <clears throat> excuse me, that the Mets were snowed out in Colorado. I'm like, is it January? <laughs> but that's the weather. So the Mets uh, split a doubleheader yesterday as a makeup for that Friday night game, and they will be back in action this afternoon. Taiwan Walker on the hill there. But we begin with the New York Yankees, who won 7-5 yesterday against the White Sox. But that's not all that happened in the game yesterday. It was Josh Donaldson. And apparently he and Tim Anderson just can't figure out where to have dinner together. They've got issues. 
And yesterday it reached the boiling point. Now, in case you missed it, after the game following another benches clearing incident during the game, Anderson made the claim that Donaldson called him, quote, Jackie, unquote, as in Jackie Robinson, and continues to call him that. Donaldson confirmed it, saying he's done it for a few years as a joke with Anderson after Anderson called himself the next coming of Jackie Robinson. Now, I don't know the, the, the I, I hear what both sides are saying on this, and I don't know where all this stems from. I mean, I, I understand what Donaldson's saying, but I just don't get where this comes from. And the issue I have here is this. There's a number of things that you could call players, okay? And I will admit to you that calling him Jackie, as in Jackie Robinson, is not the worst thing that he could be called. It's really, in a sense, it could be used and received as a respect, that you are a player who is following the footsteps of a legendary man, a man who as Michael Kay rightly points out, a man who has not only changed the game of baseball, but changed things out off the field. So there's that side of it. The other side, though, that I have to raise my eyebrow about is Josh Donaldson himself. Remember why Josh Donaldson was brought to this Yankee team. Josh Donaldson is a guy who plays on the edge. Josh Donaldson is a guy who has a certain attitude. Josh Donaldson is a guy that the Yankees felt that they needed to have on this team because a personality like his was lacking. And that's why it's important. That's why they felt it was important for him to be on this team. They had a third baseman, clearly. They could have put... And, and really, because of his struggles, mostly, D.J. LeMay, who's played a lot of third, okay? They have other players who can play third. But they felt the need for a certain personality type. And that's what he brings to the table to be on this Yankee team. So while I, while I understand, certainly, Josh Donaldson's side to say, listen, he says he's the next Jackie Robinson, so I'm going to call him Jackie so that that gets under his skin, and that's what Donaldson does. But I do wonder if you're Tim Anderson, how it felt. And apparently there's maybe how it's said, maybe what the deal is when he says it, maybe it's when he says it. But there's something that strikes Tim Anderson wrong about the way Josh Donaldson says Jackie when he refers to him. Let's hear from both parties. All right, let's 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 see what they say. And now I'll get your thoughts at 1-800-919-3776. All right, let's begin. This is Josh Donaldson on his incident with Anderson. All right, so first inning I called him Jackie. So let me give you a little context of that. 2019, he came out with the interview, said that he's a new Jackie Robinson of baseball. He's going to bring back fun for the game, right? And 2019, when I played for Atlanta, we actually joked about that on the game. Um, I don't know what's changed from, and I've said it to him uh, in years past, not, not in any manner 
than just joking around for the fact that he called himself Jackie Robinson, you know. Um, so, you know, if something has changed uh, from that, like my meaning of that is not at any term uh, trying to be racist by any fact of the matter. Um, it was just off of an interview that what he called himself. And when we said that before we joked about it, he laughed, whatever. Uh, as you could tell in our series that we've played, there's been multiple times where I've tried to defuse the situation. Like I, I took responsibility for the tag, wasn't trying to do anything there. Like today, just trying to defuse it. Like, hey, like make light. Like, hey, I, we're not trying to start any brawls or anything like that. Um, obviously, he deemed that it was disrespectful. And look, if he did, I apologize. Like that's not what I was trying to do by any manner. Um, and. You know, that's really, that's what happened. All right, that's Josh Donaldson's side. Let's hear from Tim Anderson on what Josh Donaldson said. Yeah, he just made a, you know, disrespectful comment. Uh, you know, basically was, you know, trying to call me Jackie Robinson. Like, what's up, Jackie? Uh, you know, uh, I don't play like that. You know, I don't, I don't really play at all. Uh, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't really, you know, bothering nobody today, but, uh, you know, he made a comment and, uh, you know, it was, it was disrespectful. And uh, I don't think it was called for, than they say. That was when you guys crossed past the short stuff there at the end of the third. <laughs> yeah, but that happened in the first, the first time he got on, you know, and I spared him that time. Uh, and then it happened again. Um, and, you know, uh, it was just, you know, just uncalled for. You know, it's not, you know, I got time to, you know, be playing like that. How did you manage to contain yourself based on that kind of comment? Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, to be honest. Uh, you know, uh, it was very disrespectful, you know. Uh, you don't want to play like that. You call it disrespectful. Tony just said it was racist. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. same, same, same along that same line, yeah. Can you say what he said? Huh? You said what? Can you say what, what he said? I just said it. I just said it. I just... All right, so that is Tim Anderson's response. When we return. Josh Donaldson was asked if he will meet with Tim Anderson. We'll hear what Josh has to say. And there's another person who weighs in on this. We'll hear from them as well. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. This 98.7 ESPN leaderboard update brought to you by Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is live in New Jersey. Visit Superbook.com for all the latest odds and promotions. Have a problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. On the PGA Tour right now, round four in progress on ESPN. The leaderboard, Mito Piera, nine strokes ahead. Will Zatoris and Malt Fitzpatrick, both six under, three strokes back. Cameron Young from America is uh, in fourth at five under. And Abraham Answer. Four strokes, uh, minus four, and he's in fifth. So we'll keep you updated on what's going on at the PGA Championship. Right now, we're talking to you on the phones about the Josh Donaldson-Tim Anderson situation. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Harry in Brooklyn. Harry, you're next on 98.7. Well, you know, the Yankees organization put this guy out there knowing what he was about. So whatever happens with him out there in that field, they're responsible for because they knew – and they brought him in, what he was about. So whatever goes on with him and what, what he portrays himself in that Yankee uniform, they're responsible for it because they knew. 
I hear you, Harry. Thanks for the phone call. Once again, I'm, we're not, and I want to be careful here. We're not saying that he is definitely a racist, Josh Donaldson. But what we are saying is that he's got he's that he's that guy that gets under your skin, right? He's he's that that guy that has that that little attitude to say certain things or just to rub certain things in. Does not make him a racist, but it makes it a guy that just he's an irritator. He's an irritant, and once again. This is why they brought him onto the field, because he has an attitude that the Yankees felt was missing. And they said so from the beginning. Steve's in Jersey. Hey, Steve, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. Looking to just switch gears a little bit. Um, So I'm calling about the Mets, Buck Walter, and the the wheels coming off, as it were, of that pitching staff. My philosophy has been the whole year to be optimistic. you had brought up that you had a lot of faith in Buck. I just get worried that in baseball, unlike, say, basketball or even football, there's not a lot of ways to scheme. So I feel like it's almost putting putting more on Buck than you can possibly put on when, when you knock out three-fifths of your starting rotation. There's not a whole lot of but- buttons to push left. So I, I'm worried great manager or no great manager. We're in for some, some rough seas ahead here. Well, here's the thing, Steve, and I understand what you're saying, and thanks for the phone call. Here's the bottom line. It's early. It's May. You've got months of the season. So now on those games where you you don't have DeGrom and you don't have Scherzer, it's going to be more incumbent on your offense. You may have to put up some, some more numbers. And think of it this way. Before McGill went down, I mean, you would have been, you would have been more than happy with what he gave you in, in, in replacing DeGrom. So somebody else has just got to step up. Okay, and hold the fort until they until Scherzer gets back. I'm not even I don't even know about the Grom. I'm not even thinking that he's, you know, it's almost to the point that I'm looking as far as the Grom is concerned, and I'm saying, you know what, I'll be I'll, I'll be surprised when I see him on the mound. I'm not even can think about him even pitching again. I'm just serious. I can't because I'll go crazy with this roller coaster of emotions. It's like a soap opera. You know, tune in tomorrow to see what the MRI said. Tune in tomorrow to see what this MRI said. I'm I'm done. I'm done. When he's back, tell me he's back. When he's throwing off a mound, then I'll get excited. Until then, he almost doesn't exist to me. But I understand you're concerned about Scherzer. Yeah, you're missing two-thirds of it. And I know McGill hopefully will be back, and then you'll get him squared away. But for right now, this is what you have to do. And your bats, which you have a lot of talented bats in this lineup, the offense has got to carry it for a while. Pete's in Jersey. Hey, Pete, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, Larry? How you doing, man? Um, right, yeah, just give me a call. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's P, like the letter Pierre. Let's say it's Pierre. That's my real name, if anything. All right, but, Pierre. Nah, man. Um, <laughs> but let's just make sense of it. I'm a, uh, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, mm-hmm. but um, I can understand where Tim Anderson is coming from, being a black man from, you know, what I mean, from in, a, in the United States. Josh Donaldson is a good player. Tim Anderson is a great player. And once he made that comment, it's like saying I'm the next Michael Jordan. People are going to, you know, you're opening, you're opening yourself up to criticism and, you know, and people talking crazy about you. Mm-hmm. But it's to a point if, if Josh Donaldson is calling him Jackie, but after a while it's like, all right, Jackie, okay, Jackie, okay. After a while the tone could be deemed as, all right, bro, we're already over that. Mm-hmm. Why, you're saying it now it's like it doesn't sound like the same Jackie because Jackie rhymes with something else mm-hmm. you know what I mean I do 
I do. Um, so it's one of those things. It's like a lot of people don't think about it. Look, I'm, I'm, I understand from both perspectives because Josh Donaldson's an irritant, like you said. You know, he's going to press your buttons. But, I mean, you call me, you know what I mean? You call me Jackie after a couple of times, and I told you, ha, 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 very funny. But you keep saying it. After a while, I'm going to be like, yo, bro, mm-hmm. I don't play like that. Like uh, like Tim Anderson said, I don't play. Yeah. I'm so, uh, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Yeah, you can take it. To- yeah, exactly. You can take it two different ways. Like, you know, Tim Anderson, he's what? He's the best hitter in baseball. I mean, yeah, I mean I'm going to say DJ LeMahieu, but that's a whole other story. But, <laughs> you know, they're the best hitters in baseball. But when somebody keeps saying it to you like that in a different tone after a while, you're going to feel some type of way. No, regardless if you're producing or not, it's going to be taken in the wrong connotation. So that's from my perspective, at least. You know what I, I hear mean? you, Pierre, and, and, I, and I think you're, you're right on point. Thanks for the phone call. I, I think you're, you're, you're right there. Because and then the Yankees are just beating up on Chicago right now. So then now it's, you know, now he's got a little, you know, he's mentioning it in a different tone. Assuming once again, don't know, but see, people don't get it. Sometimes tone is everything. It's not. Spike talked about it earlier. Okay, my parents always. It's not what you say; it's how you say it. All right. It's not what you say; it's how you say it. And with the Yankees winning like this. And Donaldson, you know, with that little irritant, just nudging him a little bit, I could see where he would say it to the point that Anderson, upset at losing, tired of hearing it all the time, as Donaldson has admitted that he says it a lot. I'm just not trying to hear that today, man. I'm just not trying to hear it. And the other part of it could be, and we don't know, but has anybody else called Tim Anderson Jackie since he made the statement? Does anybody else do that to him? I don't know because I haven't heard it. I mean, I didn't know that he did it until Donaldson, until this incident yesterday. So I'm not real sure. I haven't come across anything where other players have said that to him, even though he's made the statement, even though Tim Anderson made the statement of being wanting to play like Jackie Robinson played and wanting to do speed and, and show his athletic ability. Why is it that Donaldson's the only one to say it? Maybe that's the issue that Tim Anderson has. Don't really know. Jerry's in Limbrook. Hey, Jerry, you're next on 98.7. Hi, Larry. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, continue the conversation with the, the Josh Donaldson comment. And, you know, while it's tough to, you know, to, to call someone a racist like that, but I, um, I don't know, I, to me there's definitely racist undertones there. It's almost, to me it's almost the equivalent of calling a black man boy. Um, you know, while the word boy isn't racist per se, but it's the way you say things. And, I, I kind of, you know, I get the sense of it kind of being something to the equivalent of, of calling a black man boy in a, in a demeaning kind of way. Um, it just, I understand Josh Donaldson has a history of being kind of an irritant, but there's certain lines you don't cross. And um, I don't know, just, just kind of has a, has a bad, has a bad vibe, you know, um, you know, from my perspective. Well, I hear what you're saying, Jerry. Thanks for the phone call. And, you know, I understand that. And it does have a ring to it. But once again, I'm just hesitant to make that leap because for me, there's something missing here, Jerry, ladies and gentlemen. There's something missing. Why is it now? Was there something else said with it? I mean, if this has gone on from the time that Anderson made the statement that he wants to be the next Jackie Robinson. Okay. 
and all of a sudden now, yesterday, it boils over. Something's up. There's something missing here. There's something missing that we just don't know for him to react like this and for Anderson to say it was racist. And the reason why I, I, I'm sympathetic to Anderson is because he's there. he heard the whole thing. He understands the back and forth that they've had over the years. Once again, for me, I'm not ready to make that leap because as far as, I'm, as, far as I know, this is the first incident I've heard of Donaldson. Okay, and I'm very, I'm very hesitant to make that leap because what happens is when the leap is made too often, when something is legitimately, in quotes, racist, then we minimize it because everything has been made racist. And that's what I don't want to do here because unfortunately, there's probably going to be something that's going to happen in the future where we're going to say, boy, that was racist. And somebody's going to say, well, no, it isn't because look what happened with the Donaldson-Anderson situation. So I'm not ready to make that leap yet. I need to have some more information before I do that. But I'm just very, it's got to be clear to me before I make that statement. I could understand for Anderson why it would be that way, why he took it that way, because there's history between them. As I said earlier, I haven't heard anybody else call him Jackie Robinson before. I haven't heard that. Something with him and Donaldson. And again, Donaldson is a button pusher. That's why he's on this team, to bring, give this team an edge that they didn't have before. It's clear. That's why they brought him here. It's adamant. Cashman said it. Gives a little edge, gives a little attitude. Something was missing. So I understand his role. I understand the role of an irritant. I understand. I've covered a number of guys who played that role. I watched guys who play that role today, saying certain things, you know, physically pushing, going, going just a, crossing the line just a little bit. That's their role. And and when he, when that person is on your team, you love them. When that person is not on your team, you hate them. Getting your thoughts about the Josh Donaldson, Tim Anderson situations, head back to the phones. Michael's in Manalapan. Michael, you're next on 98.7. Hi, Larry. Thank you for taking the call. Hey, Mike. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Now, you know, maybe I'm missing something here. But I just don't see the correlation of calling uh, someone Jackie as it being a racist remark. Um, I know that there's history, and as you've alluded to, we're probably missing something. But I think it's really irresponsible of members of the media to start painting this guy as he could be a racist. Um, from what I understand, Tim Anderson said he thought it was a disrespectful comment. I haven't heard him use the word racist. I know Tony La Russa did. Um, but I think that just, I think in today's society with everything going on, I think maybe we should let things play out and then assess the situation before we start saying things like, you know, like you said, like, I don't think he's definitely a racist. That kind of makes it seem like he really could be a racist. And, you know, he, 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 he said he's an irritant. He's just trying to get under people's skin. 
I don't know why we got to, you know, be so crazy with the, the racist, with the racism and the racist word. We don't even really... Uh, you're breaking up, Michael, but we, we got your point. And we played an excerpt earlier from Anderson, and Anderson said he felt he was racist. So that's that's where we get it from. And, yeah, I understand what you're saying about some members of the media, but, you know, we, we are all, especially in sports talk radio, we're asked to give our opinion on such situations. And that's what we do. And so for me, uh, I choose to not make that leap right now I'm, I'm like you, want some more information, but I got to tell you, I am curious as to why, if this is something that has gone back and forth since Anderson made the statement that he wants to be the next Jackie Robinson, why is it that now this jumped up? Either it was how it was said, it was something else said around it. There's something different about this. Okay, there's something different. Hopefully we'll find out what it is and then they'll answer a lot of our questions. Emmanuel's in Flushing. Hey, Manny, you're next on 98.7. Hey, 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 um, hey, Larry, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Listen, I ain't watched the game per se, but I actually read it when I was hanging out with some friends, with some friends, and I found it, I, I, I found it weird at first. I mean, like Jackie Robinson. I mean, why would you say that? And number two, I mean, look, I don't know. Listen. I don't know Donaldson on a personal level. We don't know Donaldson. I mean, yes, he's an instigator, but I think that sometimes an instigator could um, – sometimes being an instigator, you could say things that could get over the edge. I mean, he could have said way worse than Jackie Robinson. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Oh, there's no question about that, Manny. Thanks for the phone call. He could have said – there's a number of things he could have said. All right? But there's something about what he said, and I can't I, – I can't discount why Anderson responded the way he had this occasion. It's not the first time they played against each other. It's not the first time they've played against each other. It's not the first time they've had to comment. Donaldson admits that he has said this over the years. So there's something about what or how it was said this time that led to Anderson's reaction and the bench, the bench clearing that happened. It's got to be something, okay? I don't know what it was. I am, once again, not ready to paint Donaldson as a racist. I'm not ready to do that. I don't have a history. I don't have other things to say. Okay, here here we go again. This is something with Josh Donaldson. Look, look at this. So I'm not ready to do that. But I also cannot discount Tim Anderson's feelings here because he heard something. There's something that made him feel the way he felt. So I'm not going to just discount it. I can only speak for me. But I'm not going to speak for him. And something happened there. There's no question. Something did. Eddie's in Brooklyn. What's up, Eddie? Hey, Larry. How you doing? Listen, Great, um, I, I think, like you said, more too, because it's like if a guy come in and say, like, he want to play like Jackie Robinson, he, he want to be like Jackie Robinson. Basically, I'm thinking me personally, I'm thinking like, he wants to play like Jackie Robinson because there is no more color barriers to break down MLB no more. So I'm thinking like he was saying like he want to play like him now. For him to take it that type of way, it's some more words the other dude said to him that, you know, like probably racist or demeaning or whatever he said to him for him to act like that because you're not going to act like that. If like I'm not going to act like that if um, I'm on the base and you start talking to me like, oh, you want to be the next Jackie Robinson? Come on, steal a base. Well, you know, like that, I'm not going to react in a, like that's a racist term. You had to really say something bad to me for me to react like that. 
Exactly. I agree with you, Eddie. Thanks for the phone call. That's what I think. Now, once again, not don't know. We're just speculating. Just speculating. But for Anderson to respond the way he did, for Grandal to come along, for LaRusa to say what he said, uh, you know, there's, there's something there. There's got to be something there. Q's uptown. What's up, Q? You're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. It's good to hear you. Welcome back. Thanks, um, Q. Always, always, always great to hear you. Um, Appreciate you. I just wanna I just wanna set the tone a little bit and get people to realize that even though we're in between those lines on the baseball field, the world doesn't stop, you know, and we gotta pay attention to when Donaldson said those comments, you know. When they brought him to the Yankees, I was shaky about it because we know his past, we know his history. So we shouldn't really put a blind eye towards that and we should realize that this last era of presidency, not to bring politics into it, really empowered a lot of people to just feel a certain type of way and feel like they could disrespect and be, you know, don't have sensitivity towards other people's races and the things that go on. Um, one more thing, you know. No, hold, hold, on second, hold, hold on a second, Kira. I'll uh-huh. let you finish. When you said okay. you knew what he was bringing to the, what, what specifically, just that he's an irritant, just that he's a guy that likes to push buttons, is that what you're saying? That you knew he was coming, he that's pushed- why you're apprehensive? He he pushes he pushes people buttons. Um, he was he was disrespectful to Cole. That's our ace. You know, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm off of my guys. I'm off my team. You know, I so you. honestly, I felt that was very disrespectful. It kind of it kind of disrupted the season for everybody across the major leagues with mm-hmm. with the uh, the sticky tack stuff, right? right. So right. I it just set a a, a a bad mood, and that's his thing. That's the type of guy that he is, and that's okay. You know, yeah. however you play on the field is however you play. Right, you know, right. but it 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 just it just gets under people's skin, and it kind of goes to the next thing I was gonna say. Um, it's a sensitive time for the African American community. Sure. I'm gonna be honest. It is. Um, what happened in Buffalo was was very scary, and it's 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 to a point where, you know, where we want to heal. We want to heal together. We don't want to heal by ourselves. We want to mm-hmm. know that. You know, we got other people on the other side of of just a, a pigment of skin that 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 fills the humanity, that fills the heartbeat like we feel. You know, so yeah. it's just a time for healing. It's a lot of callers that said they that that they're trying to heal. They're trying to trying to, to heal together, and that's what it really takes. You know, and Donaldson has to be aware of that, aware of that and have sensitivity to other races and what's going on right now in the world because the world don't stop. And just one last thing, can I Real just quick, shout out Yankee, Yankee Twitter, uh, softball league, go Pirates. That's my guys. I love all of the teams, but Pirates all day are. Thanks, Larry. You're the best. Thank you. Thank, thanks, for the, thanks for your thoughts. Um, in the heat of battle, playing whatever sport it is, competition, Q, unfortunately, athletes are not thinking about what's good for the world. We would like for them to do that in an off moment, in the middle of a game, trying to gain an advantage of, against an opponent. That is the farthest thing from their mind. And so uh, I hear what you're saying. It would be nice, but that's not happening, and I wouldn't expect it to happen at that moment. And I just want to say, because he is a button pusher does not make him a racist. So you have to be careful about labeling folks. We'll continue the conversation a little bit, but when we return, we'll switch to the NBA with Alan Hahn. That's next on 98.7 ESPN New York. Hour number two. 
Sunday edition of the show. Thanks for stopping by at 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPNNY 98 underscore 7 FM. We'll take a timeout from the Josh Donaldson, Tim Anderson controversy. We'll get back to that a little bit later, but I want to touch base with a friend, colleague, a man who I respect, his knowledge of the NBA. You hear him every day, every single day from noon to three, along with his sidekick, Bart Scott. He is Alan Hahn. Hi, Alan. Larry, I mean, people normally say I'm Bart's sidekick. No, no, but no. But I appreciate no, 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 the no. intro. No, 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 no. <laughs> we have history. Yeah. I know who I know who the sidekick is. <laughs> we the have main, history. The, listen, listen Bart, Bart, Bart finds a different way each day to offend people. <laughs> I, I, I love just coming along for the ride for it. <laughs> Makes your life easy, doesn't it? <laughs> Sometimes. You get, to, you get to be an ambassador. <laughs> yeah, right. I have to clean up the mess. Yes, you do. Alan, I got a bunch of things for you, and I'm glad mm-hmm. you had the chance to, before you mow your lawn today. I, I wore mine out <laughs> yesterday. So before you mow your lawn today to chat with me, and thank your wife for giving me a couple of minutes as yeah. well. Uh, first of all, Alan, what is it going to take? I went on vacation to try to see if that would break the NBA's hold on, on penalizing the Knicks because in 1985, they got the, they got the ping pong ball. Mm-hmm. Alan, what is it going to take for the Knicks to move up higher than three? Yeah, it, it is, it's an incredible thing when you think about, so the year after the Knicks won that lottery with Patrick Ewing, the Cleveland Cavaliers won the lottery in 1986, and they have won it five times. Five times in, in, since 1986. The, the Orlando Magic since 1992 have won it four times like there are a lot of franchises who have had great luck and the Knicks have not and that's just a simple but you know it's not even winning the lottery it's the fact that as you know Adam Schefter so kindly pointed out with a tweet the day of the lottery that uh, the Knicks have never even moved up let alone win it never even moved up they've moved back but they haven't moved up and he said that is likely going to happen again for an 18th straight time. Oh, yes. And he was correct. He was correct. Yeah. Good to shift. He's supposed to know these things. He is. That's what he gets paid. Yeah. Uh, you know what, though? It's, it's, it, is, it is amazing. You kind of scratch your head and you just wonder about it, like, really, what is going on? But in the end, I, I always say this. It's more about your scouting and your development. It's finding a player. It's making the right pick. Because how many times have we looked at drafts in the past where the Knicks have had a top 10 pick? And you're like, what? Like, like, mm. like, you know, it's yeah, what it's turned out. We're always finding the player that it's one thing to not get the player that you wanted in the famous Steph Curry one, obviously. But it's worse when there was a player on the board that you worked out that you left on the board and has turned into a star, Donovan Mitchell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, those are the ones that really, I think, are more frustrating because – it is like the basketball god saying, okay, we haven't given you a win, but we have provided you plenty of opportunity to build the team with plenty of talent, and you've chosen other people instead. So that's on you. Yeah. And then you rationalize it by saying, ah, you know what, Donovan Mitchell would say he wouldn't be as good anyway. <laughs> mm. You can rationalize that all you want. I don't know if I'm buying that because everybody, including Rick Pitino, is telling the Knicks, don't pass on this guy. And they did. Mm-hmm. And he's not the only one, of course. No. As we know, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, we, we could really depress people yeah, on a beautiful Sunday afternoon no, if no, you no, want, no, no. but I'd, no, rather, no, 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 no. I'd rather move on. No, 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 no. Let's move on. And 
So, Alan, with the 11th pick, what type of players could, are they, could, they, could they be looking for that's available in the draft? I know, I know you do your homework and you've already started. So what type of player are we, are we looking for, a point guard, or are we mm-hmm. trying to get one through free agency or trade? Yeah, trade, yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't see a purpose in using this pick. I, I'm being honest. I know a lot of people don't like that. I know fans just want to hear about players they could get, and you're going to read all these stories that, the, you know, the – the years I was a beat writer, this is the time of year where you talk to agents and agents tell you, yeah, yeah, my guy interviewed with them. He's going to go work out for them. So you write about them, and now everybody just starts to dream about this player as a Nick and that player as a Nick and others that say, why would they interview him? He sucks. They're, they're going to blow it. You know, like this is, a year, this is the time of year where it's just a million names are attached, and you, know, you really don't know until draft day. But this is, this is a time where I look at this and I think, They've got a lot of young players on this roster, and they've got to develop them. Adding another young player, I don't think, and especially in a draft like this where you don't have – it's not a star-driven kind of draft. It is not a top-heavy draft. It is, it is another draft where you'll get a lot of projects at the very top, and then you're going to get a lot of role-player types after that. And it's, is it something that you think the Knicks need is another wing player – that is under 20 years old, just like you have a bunch of wing players under the age of 23. So I think you have to you have to do they this group has to be aggressive because they have not landed the star. And you have to be ready to move that pick and be willing to move that pick if you can get yourself a veteran player that has a, a enough talent to upgrade this roster. And obviously point guard is a major area for them. But guard and wing in particular are going to be important places. Look at the league. So I don't know if this is a pick that you make. I just that's how I feel. I don't I don't know if it's a pick you make. And if you do, you might be making it for somebody else. Because if you're just picking another young player and throwing them on the pile, it's gonna get a lot harder uh to to tell me that this is going to be a very competitive team next year. The voice of Alan Hahn, you hear him every day, Monday through Friday from noon to three, we're Bart Scott. Here on 98.7 ESPN, Larry Hardesty. So, Alan, let me let me two quick ones mm-hmm. on the Knicks. Do they re-sign Mitchell Robinson? And the next one, which nobody can seem to answer, so I expect that you will be able to, is Cam Reddish going to be a trade piece, or is he going to really be on this team? Yeah, that's it, a good that, – the Cam Reddish one is the, really an interesting question because from what I know, Tom Thibodeau actually likes him. And I know that sounds crazy because he didn't play him a ton and people got really upset about that. But I actually think they what they wanted to do is get him in and like get him into the idea, the culture of, hey, here you've got to work and earn your way, right? Like, and I know some people throw their arms up at that, but that's just the culture that Tom Thibodeau is trying to build. You're not just going to come here just because we traded you. We're not going to just throw you out there and give you a ton of minutes. This is a place you're going to have to earn it. Now, does Reddish want that? Does he want an opportunity somewhere else? Where does he fit in the rotation? There's a lot of questions there. But he is a piece that, you know, you wonder, do other teams have an interest in him? Keep in mind, he's in the same draft as RJ that they will be in October, do an extension, or they'll become restricted free agents at the end of the season. So that is something that you also have to consider. It's doubtful the Knicks would offer him an extension. So he will be a restricted free agent at the end of the coming season, which, of course makes him a trade piece at some point, if not during the offseason, if he doesn't fit into the plans. That's the one question. That's the second one you asked me. The first one, that one is one where I just don't feel like he's going to be here. 
I agree. Uh, I just feel like he might he might command more as a uh, free agent than the Knicks are willing to pay him. And it sounds nuts because their defense is statistically better when he's on the floor. But his availability is a big question. It remains that. So you give him a multi-year deal or you you know, you know match something that somebody else wants to offer him, and then you do it hoping he can stay healthy and play to be impactful for 70-plus games a season. And we know, I mean, he's a human mop. I mean, my man's on the, he's on the hardwood a lot. But when he plays and he's in shape, he's fantastic. But it took him a half a season to get himself in real shape last year. And then, you know, the injuries always seem to creep up with him. So I do think that's a huge debate right now in the front office. And it all depends on what people come at him with financially as a free agent. Because it could be real easy to re-sign him if no one else is willing to give him a multi-year deal. That, that's, you know, I think what he thinks he's worth. So then, of course, it becomes a lot easier to say, sure, bring him back. Because I can tell you that Tom Thibodeau absolutely loves him as a defensive center because when he's on the floor, they are a much better defensive team. No question about it. Last one on the Knicks. Julius Randle, stay or go? Well, he's, he's not going anywhere as much as a lot of people you know, are hoping that you know, the Knicks will just cut bait here. And the major reason why is because they are, you know, they're connected to him. They're tethered to him. I mean, he's a guy that Leon represented as an agent. He is someone that, you know, William Wesley has known since he's a teenager. You know, they have a strong tie to him. And I said all last year, he looked like somebody that didn't want to be here. And so my, my thing about moving him was, if you got to have a heart-to-heart and say, do you want to be here or not? Because like, if you're not happy here, you're not comfortable, whatever it is, if it's just the way the fans treat you, the way the fans yell things, social media, whatever it is, if, it, if you're not happy, why continue to be miserable? Then you say, okay, let's, let's come up with a deal that works for everybody. But he said at the end of the season, I want to be here. I'm happy here. This is what I want, all that stuff. So, okay. So knowing that, I knew they weren't going to just trade him because they want to move on from him because they're tethered to him. So that also may, gives you a little peek into next season and what to expect. More of the same. Now, which Julius are you going to get, Larry? Are you going to get last year's Julius? Or are you going to get the one that was most improved player and all-star and led his team to the playoffs, Julius? Because those are two different people. Now, the Knicks are banking on getting the guy from two years ago. We'll see. I'm concerned because I think as R.J. Barrett's game flourishes, I don't know if he's ready to handle that, Alan. Mm. I I just don't know. Well, I I think what happens is you got to get somebody. Now, whether it's Jalen Brunson, who's had a really good playoffs, or someone else. Again, the Donovan Mitchell dream remains out there. Uh, although, you know, again, it seems very, it seems really unlikely. And I caution people, I said this on my show a couple of months ago. I said, you got to watch for Pat Riley screwing the Knicks again on this one. Watch that. I'm to watch closely. They have way more assets to offer Utah. If Donovan Mitchell really wants out of there and pushes it, Miami has way more assets to offer. So be careful of that one. The whole coming home thing is a nice story until Utah decides, yeah, but I don't like anything you have to offer me. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. But that is, you know, they have to find somebody who can run the offense and get control of it and also get command of Julius Randle when he likes to blow up plays and he, you know, gets petulant about the ball. They've got to get somebody who can be a leader on that court because they don't have one on the roster right now. 
the voice of Alan Hahn here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Alan, I got to ask you this before I get two thoughts on the conference finals going mm-hmm. on right now. As you're a diehard Nick fan, you are. Wrote a book, so I know you are Nick fan, Nick fan, Nick fan, Nick fan. Are you comfortable with Tim Hardaway being a coach? Being a are coach? You comfortable? Yeah. Are you comfortable with Tim Hardaway being there? Are you comfortable with him? <laughs> you know. I mean, with, it's with, you know. Are you comfortable with him? I, I can hear him right now. It's going to be very interesting to see what the NBA does with Patrick Ewing leaving the bench. I hear him. <laughs> I hear his voice in my head. Alan, I, mean, I hear it. You, you, it. It's it's just you know relationships change, don't they? And I mean, it really has changed ever since Junior was on the Knicks two yeah, times. And I remember true. the first time I interviewed Tim uh, after the Knicks drafted his son. We were at summer league on MSG, and I sat with him. I interviewed him, and then chatted with him after the interview. And I kind of said, like, you got to become a Knicks fan now. He goes, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> like he just kind of joked about it, but he said, I'm a fan of my son, and that's all that matters. And I just think over time, that stuff starts to melt away. But keep in mind, too, relationships are everything. Mm-hmm. And he's has relationships with all the people I just named before, whether it's William Wesley, whether it's Leon Rose. And and I do think he also wants to be in the game. So with that in mind, I think you'll see him. He actually uh, you know, is going to be part of scouting and, and helping the Knicks, which mm-hmm. who, who thought of that? I don't know. I know it, it is a little weird. It, it is it a little is. weird, but I do, I got over it after after Junior was part of the. I just sort of got over it. Okay. Once Junior was a Nick, it sort of was like, all right. Well, I mean, you know, Senior has tough. to be a Nick now. He has to be a fan. It's gonna be tough, Alan. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you. It's gonna be tough. Um, Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Just me. You, if you're Boston, you can't. Even though you come back, you can't lose that game last night. You can't lose that game. See, I, I, I saw it as Miami couldn't lose that game. I saw it as that. If you're the Heat and you built such a big lead and you just absolutely dominated that first half. I mean, that first quarter was, you, you talk about just running a team out of the gym, sending a message. That's what the Heat did in game three. Yeah. They, got, they got home court back. They wanted to make sure they understood. Like Whatever happened in game two, just get that out of your mind because that's not what we're about. And I found that to be very important. So to me, I looked at it the opposite, Larry. I looked at it as as the Celtics were make, mounting their comeback, and and you know here's Marcus Smart on on an ankle that looked like it had been mangled, you know, limping back out into the floor, and then you have Tatum go out, and then he comes back out, and everybody's all fired up, and it's a one point game. In my head, I'm like, all right, the Celtics are showing you a lot of metal here, but Miami, you can't melt down and lose this game. Like you can't lose this game, and yeah, they I mean, didn't. Hero on the hero not able to play. Yeah, uh, uh, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, the whole second there? half, you yeah, didn't have Jimmy Butler. So that's your in, opportunity to get well, to I, Yeah, I, you're seeing it that way. You're seeing it as the you know the injuries because both teams actually sustained injuries, but one team their guys returned. Mm-hmm. But I looked at it as if you're Miami and you built such a big lead, like you've got to win that game. You have to because I'll tell you what, I don't know what to expect from Jimmy Butler in game two. They're not doing an MRI or anything on the knee, so they it probably isn't structural. It might be you know he had some swelling or some soreness, whatever it was. But that's still enough to concern me. And then Hero's got a big ice pack on the thigh, and like, what's the quad? Into, what has he got going on there? So there's plenty of concern about their depth now, but that's why you got to get that game because mm-hmm. you had such a big lead. This series, I think, is going to go seven. Yeah, I expect it to go seven. I think it's going to be exactly what it's been these first three games, which is just uh, a lot of emotional roller coaster and a lot of physicality. Yeah, I agree. And and I'm not going to have you give it away. I make people tune to your show to find out what happens. Give me uh, Warriors Mavericks. How, how's this? T- 
I know Dallas is going to at least win one. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if they could win two in the series, Alan. I don't know. You don't think the Mavericks can win the next two games? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't see that. I don't see them winning the next two. I see them splitting. Yeah, coming back I, and losing. I'm, I'll tell you what, and I'm really dialed in on this one because um, I'm part of the uh, doing the uh, studio hosting for NBA uh -huh. Countdown. So uh, for this series, so I've been really locked in on this series, and I, I'm kind of with you. I'm looking at Dallas as, well, we're going to try to sell tonight the idea that well they were down 0-2 to the Suns and they roared back, winning two home games and made it a series. But I don't look at it the same way because remember Chris Paul was a just a disaster in Game Three with his turnovers. Yeah, he was. And then and and the, the Mavs messed around in Game Three. They, they didn't take it serious enough. And then Game Four, remember they tar the, the officials targeted Chris Paul, and they had him in foul trouble the whole game, which just changed everything. It opened up the game um, for them, and Dallas just were they were comfortable at home. Now the Warriors got to watch because the Mavericks have won their last five straight at home. They're a really good home team, and they ride the crowd. It's always this, the role players play better at home, right? Mm -hmm. But the Warriors have been here before, yeah. and they know if they win this game tonight, series is over. It's a lock. Yep. Yep. And I do, I do expect to see the because the Warriors came out soft in Game Two, but were but managed to do what they do in that second half, make that comeback. And they're not doing it with the three ball. It's in the paint. They can exploit them in the paint, which is why DeAndre uh, Ayton was so mad at Monty Williams and the Suns for what went down in that series because the Mavs have nothing in the paint, nothing. And he should – like big men should want to dominate in the paint like Kevon Looney did because the Mavericks don't have an answer. That's why they're going to be looking for a Mitchell Robinson this offseason. Watch mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you, Larry, watch the paint. It's not as much the Splash Brothers as it is driving to the basket, getting into the paint, and taking advantage of a weak interior – of the Mavericks. If they win this game, obviously 3-0, the series is over. Nobody's ever come back from one. So I'm with you. I don't think they can win, you know, two games in this series, let alone four. I don't But see tonight that. is a huge one, obviously, for them to stay alive. No question about it. Now, my guys, Will and Tom, are jumping up and down like there's an air, like they're trying to land an airplane because <laughs> I'm so far over the clock. But I got to ask you this. Oh, man, seconds. tell them. Tell them we blow, we blow through the clock. That's what we do. <laughs> Relax. I'll talk to Hurley. Don't worry about it. Hurley's not going to call you. Don't worry, guys. Settle down. Winthrop's not going to call and say, what are we doing? Relax. Right. I got this. Right. Me and Larry, we do this all the time. Yep. Expect the phone call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because Alan just said it. Expect the phone call. 30 seconds, Alan. Because I... You love hockey. I know you're on the guy. Take your eye on the hat off for a second. What mm -hmm. happens today? Rangers, Hurricanes. Oh, man. The building has to help them win the game. I mean, they had generating no offense, right? Their goaltending has been has been good enough. They, 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 they have to get top lines. It's Again, it's just how did they win the Penguin Series? Because their top line finally showed up, especially in Game 7. Game 3 to stay alive at home. That top line, those guys, Zibanejad, Panera, I, I, they, you all got to show up. Chris Kreider, don't be Julius Randle. You got to show up. That's that's what I expect in this game. It should be a good one. It follows us here on 98.7 ESPN, and you can follow Alan Hahn and Bart Scott tomorrow beginning at noon. They'll recap the weekend for you, talk about the NBA. They do it all. Alan, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll talk soon. All the best, Larry. All right, thank you. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Top of the hour, we'll be joined by Adam Graves, Stanley Cup champion from the New York Rangers. We'll get his thoughts about game three. Don LaGreca anchoring our coverage beginning at 3 here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's head back to the phones. Allen's in Uniondale. Allen, you're up on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, what's going on, Larry? What's up, Allen? 
You know, man. Um, I wanted to, you know, talk about this playoff stuff, but I wanted to get into a uh, sunset from Philly. He's right about the Donovan Mitchell stuff. I'm a Knicks head. I don't want to throw all my pieces for Donovan Mitchell. I agree with him on that. I disagree with him on I'm from New York. I'm rooting for Boston. That's where the money's at. I'm rooting for my money. I'm putting my bets up. Okay. <laughs> I got to root for where the money at. So, that does um, make a change. I will yeah. say this. That, that that does put a, a little asterisk on your fanship, right? <laughs> does you think so? I'm rooting for where the money at. I don't know. I got a Devil's jersey just because I made money on the Devil's this year. So. <laughs> I got you. I hear you, Alan. Yeah. I respect it. I respect nah, it. Right. But nah, but um, the Mavericks, right? I think I agree with you on that. I think it's going to be a gentleman's sweep. They probably take one on at home. Like, their defense is good. Second best defense in the league, right? But defending the Suns, they're so one-dimensional. Chris Ball works the ball up. The guys are just stationary. Take the roll. It's like, that's easy to defend. But you know what, Alan? Alan, I, I think Alan Hahn made a great point. And that was they didn't, they didn't allow uh, their big man to be a factor. And that's what is going to kill – that's what has killed Dallas. I mean, you know. I, I mean, right. the, the – the, the, I mean, the Warriors have owned the boards in this series, and it's given them second and third shots that they've converted into three. And what they've been able to do, which I don't think they'll continue to do, is they've been able to really find a way to neutralize uh, Luka. I don't think they'll be able to. I expect a big game from Luka tonight. I do, and I think this will be the game that Dallas wins. But I can see I can see Golden State coming back in, in game four and, and taking that one and going back home and sweep and finishing it off. Three thousand because I have been asked winning tonight too. I got them on the plus like seven and a half, just in case, you know, just seven and a half, just in case. Yeah. But um, right, like, like you said about the uh, uh, the Mavericks, defending um, Luka, he had forty-two points. Like, what more can he do? Like, <laughs> I don't like assist-wise, I guess. And Tatum yeah. going on to the other series, Tatum. That's why people think the NBA is so because how does your superstar fall on the floor like his shoulder got dislocated? And then like I'm thinking his like his shoulder's done. He comes back in, uh, uh, and that's when they lost the game, though. They forced that in the ball. Marcus Smart the pass, turnover. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. should, they were in rhythm. They were coming back already. They should let Tatum, like, you know, that's when the coach got to realize that, like, uh, Steve Kerr did. He left Draymond on the, on the, on the, um, you know, got yeah. five out. Looney yeah. was doing his thing. He said, you know what? Let's just, just rock. Let's just ride out with this team. And they came back and, you know, did their thing. Yeah, that right, was like that Tatum thing. Made that You're right. Thing. And you know what? I was just having this conversation, and thanks for the phone call, Alan. I was just having this conversation with um, Jacob Perry, who's coming in, who's going to, you know, produce and engineer the Ranger broadcast. And we were just talking about how they can't seem, Boston can't seem to get Tatum, all right, and and Brown on the same page in the same game. They never seem to play off each other. There seems to be somebody that, okay, Brown gets the ball this time, all right. Tatum gets the ball. There's very rare, there's maybe a handful of times that I've seen in the series where one is passed to the other one and the other one's got the basket or one, you know, or vice versa, where the Tatum's going to Brown or Brown's going to Tatum. And yesterday was Tatum's day. I mean, at 30, at 40, he was just lighting it up from outside. And, um, you know, they ended up losing that game because Tatum couldn't be that, couldn't give him a break and respond in key moments. And so that's what they have to do to get together. And to piggyback on what you said earlier, Alan, about Luca, you know what? Yes, he's dominant when he scores, but it's when he gets other people involved. Okay, if I'm going to state, Luca could score fifty. I'm good. If I'm if I'm shutting everybody else down, he could score sixty. I'm good if he's shutting everybody else down. It's when he distributes. It's when he gets people moving. It's when you have to defend him because he's hot. And now we you he passes it and somebody else burns you with a basket. So they need Dinwiddie. They need other guys to perform, and I think they will tonight. 
Jeff is in Delray Beach. Hey, Jeff, you're next on 98.7. Good afternoon, Larry. Great show and, and really great body of work over the years. Thank you, Jeff. I wanted to weigh in on this Tim Anderson racism claim. You know, um, obviously, we're all very sensitive to these types of claims, especially in the aftermath of the George Floyd incident. Um, but what I think he's done is he has demeaned two things, true claims of racism and the legacy of Jackie Robinson. How in the world does Tim Anderson come off in 2019 and anoint himself the new Jackie Robinson? It was one Jackie Robinson. There was one man who broke the color barrier. There was one man that, as a result of that, was tormented, subjected to death threats. We all know the history. And he's suggesting he's the, he's in, this era's Jackie Robinson. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And to think that he's not going to get his button pressed because of that, to think that there's not going to be trash talking because of that, that's all this is. It's as though, let's say, Mark McGuire, when he had that famous run in the 90s, said, I'm the new Babe Ruth. He's going he's to hear it from other teams. Oh, hey, Babe, how are you? But for him to choose Jackie Robinson when he has done nothing along the lines of what Jackie Robinson did, you know, anyone that could even suggest they're the new or the next Jackie Robinson, you know the history. Earl Lloyd in the NBA, Larry Doby in, in the American League, uh, Willie O'Ray in the NHL. Mm -hmm. These black these black players that were probably subjected to similar things as Jackie Robinson. Well, they definitely they were. Those Jeff. Types of There's no question about it. They right. definitely were. Thanks for the phone right. call. Let, let's let's put it this way though, I don't believe, my opinion, that what Tim Anderson was saying that he was the next Jackie Robinson as to what Jackie Robinson went through. I believe that he meant I am the next Jackie Robinson in how Jackie Robinson played the game. Stealing bases, being aggressive, uh, stealing home, something that, as, as you know now, has been a lost art because of how the game is played, home runs, you know, shifts, all this other stuff. So I don't believe he was saying I'm the next Jackie Robinson from, a, from what he went through standpoint. It was more of his style of play. And I also believe that there have been other people who have said, you know, that, that uh, you know, I modeled my game after Michael Jordan. I wanted, you know, maybe they've not said I'm the next Michael Jordan, but they meant that they modeled their game after him or they modeled their game after Julius Serving, or they modeled their game after Shaquille O'Neal or so on and so forth. Or they modeled their game after uh, Garrett Cole or, or the big unit, Randy Johnson. So there have been players that have made that distinction. He did not say that. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but I do believe that that's what he was trying to say. And the last thing I'll say about it is, while I understand what you're saying as far as trash talking is concerned, and boy, there's a history of that, I haven't heard anybody else mention this. I haven't heard anybody else say to Tim Anderson, Jackie. I haven't heard it. And so I'm not ready to say that uh, Josh Donaldson is a racist, not based on this, not based on this one incident. I'm not ready to make that leap. But I am curious as to why in this instance, as I said earlier, that this affected Anderson the way it did. Because Donaldson had admitted in the, in the cut we had, the audio soundbite we played earlier, that this is not the first time he's done this. He has done that, and they've had conversations about it. Okay, so clearly, there's something that happened this time. Hopefully, one day we'll find out. Steve's in Chappaqua. Steve, you're next on 98.7. Larry, you are amazing and a breath of fresh air. Your perspective is appreciated. 
I've been listening to the uh, Tim Anderson, uh, Josh Donaldson conversation all day on both stations. And so many of the callers are uh, closet racists who are anti-Tim Anderson, calling him no right to invoke jacket. I read the New York Times profile a year ago, and I read the Sports, Anders, uh, Sports Illustrated. He is just saying that he wants to carry on that legacy. Nothing bad, nothing uh, pompous. Or he's a good guy, and it was totally uh, well-meaning. And so many people are going with a sound bite and, and criticizing. I heard him called punk and all these racist uh, dog whistles. And, Larry, you're a breath of fresh air by uh, standing up for uh, Tim Anderson, and I appreciate it. And I don't think Josh uh, Donaldson's a racist either. He just tweaked his button. But the ones who are uh, condemning Tim Anderson are way off base, and they're showing their true colors. And uh, thank you for standing up for him. All right, Steve. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, I haven't heard those calls. So I'm not real sure about the context of what they're saying. But everybody's got an opinion on this. That's why everybody wants to weigh in. It's it's a troubling thing, okay? And it's, as you mentioned, because of where we are now in this society, it's it's trash talking has now been taken to another level. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this ultimately turns out. Fran's in Massapequa. Hey, Fran, you're next on 98.7. What's up, my man? How you doing? Let me start. First of all, you're great. I love you. Whether you're, I don't care. I don't even really know what, what you are, but I love you. You know what I mean? I don't look at things that way. I look at people by their personalities and how they come off. That's the way I look at it. But the bottom line is this. The word is being watered down, racist. It's just being watered down. The bottom line is this. In this situation, you got to, first of all, you had a caller before who called up and made a racist remark and no one even said anything about it. He said, oh, all these people with the last president. So every voter, everybody that voted for Trump, according to that gentleman, was a racist. You understand what I'm saying? It's, the, the, the word is being watered down. It's ridiculous. The bottom line is Tim Anderson, if this, if, like you said, there has to be something else that was said. Because if he was called Jackie in the past by this gentleman, Donaldson, I'm a Met fan, and I hate the Yankees, and I don't like Donaldson. Let's get that out. But if he was called that in the past, by this guy, and he laughed about it once, twice, okay. If it happens a third or fourth time, man up, grab the guy, pull him aside and say, hey, listen, pal, I don't like it no more. Let's stop it. If you keep it up, there's going to be a problem. That's what we have to do. Everybody always runs to the media. Everybody always jumps to conclusions. That's why I'm glad you said you don't think he's a racist. you got to hear more. And if more people thought like you, it would be a much better place to live in. There's no room for racist talk. There's no room for racism. I can't stand it. It makes me sick to my stomach. There's no reason why you should hate somebody or dislike them for who they are, what color they are, what religion they are. It's ridiculous. But the word has been just watered down. There are true people that are treated in a racist fashion, and it's just, you know, they, they don't get the same, you know, the same uh, credibility. You know what I mean? They don't get, you know, I just the, war, saying, the word is being watered the down. Clock. I got to run, my friend. Thanks for your thoughts. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number three, Thursday edition of the show. Thursday. Boy, am I, boy, am I off. Sunday edition of the show. Thanks for stopping by at 1-800-919-3776. Boy, I tell you, I'm away on vacation, and all around me were Ranger fans. 
down looking at looking at the games, passionate, ready to go yelling, screaming on the plane back, trying to get DirecTV, you know, on JetBlue in the air so we could see the Ranger games, you know, Ranger game. Oh, it's been a it's been an interesting time. And I am pleased and honored to be joined by my next guest. We talk Rangers hockey with the Stanley Cup champion, member of the 94 team, Adam Graves. We welcome him to 98.7 ESPN. Adam, how are you? Very good, and it's great to be on, especially this time of year. As you said, it doesn't matter where you are, um, Ranger fans, uh, because of New York, as you know, they take their loyalty and uh, their love for their team everywhere they go, and that's a special part of being a Ranger. It, it's a passion, my friend. It's good to talk to you. We haven't chat in, chatted in a long, long time. Good to talk to you. Good to know that you are well. So let's start with this, Adam. Just from what you're watching, what have you seen in the first two games of this series from the Rangers and from the Hurricanes? Well, certainly, I, I think that anyone that's watched the Hurricanes play throughout uh, the last three or four years and, and certainly under the uh, coaching of Ron Brindamore uh, know that uh, – they have a very balanced team and they put pressure on you. Unlike any other team, I think in the national hockey league in all three zones, uh, in all situations, penalty killing power play, they, they play that uh, very structured pressured game. And, and I think that uh, the, the, the Rangers, even though they're a young team, they've shown great maturity, especially uh, during that first round coming back from three, one deficit. And then into this uh, series in the first two games, I, I thought that the Rangers played extremely well. And in, in fact, uh, uh, Aho from Carolina scored uh, late in game one to tie it. But that was one of the better games I think I've seen and more complete games I've seen the Rangers play all season. So there's a lot of positives to take out of Carolina. Certainly, uh, you don't want to be 0-2, but that's why you're coming back to the garden. And, and you, you have home ice, you want to take, a, take advantage of it. You want to hold serve, so to speak. And uh, this team, and, and uh, as you know, throughout the entire season, um, with the leadership of guys like Mika and Krides and, and uh, Panarin and, and some of their uh, you know older veterans and certainly Fox who's still young but he seems like he's uh, he, he's such a, a great player that older than his, his his years would tell you that they have the ability to to make something out of nothing and come back and when you think they're down um, that's when they play their best hockey so I I expect to see uh, the Rangers coming out of the the, the gate gun in tonight or today this afternoon. Adam, what does it do for a team? Obviously, you don't want to be down 3-1, but the fact that you were down 3-1 in the previous series, but you fought back, what does that do for the confidence of a young team with, with sprinkled with veterans? Well, it, it, again, it's it's growth. And this is one of the younger uh, younger teams and one of the youngest teams in the National Hockey League. And, and I, I think when experience is a great teacher and, and nothing is ever the same. No, no, no one uh, period, no one game. No one series is, is the same, and, and that's the great part of, of hockey. It's ever-changing, and when you think you've seen it all, you haven't. Uh, but when you have that experience, I think it, uh, it it really just helps you, and it helps you with your confidence. And the perfect example of that is you see the kid line with, with Hedl and Kako and Lafreniere, how much confidence means to, to players. And, and when you have that type of experience, and you have the ability, and, and make no mistake, Pittsburgh Penguins are, are an outstanding hockey club with some of the best players in, in the world. So to be able to, to uh, uh, you know, use, dig deep, come back, uh, no quit in New York, so to speak, uh, but to come back in a series like that, I, I, I do think it gives you a lot of confidence. But not to say that as the, the playoffs move on, you want to get behind every time. It's just, uh, unfortunately, there's, uh, you know, eight teams left out of uh, 32 which tells you that they're excellent teams, 
all eight teams in the Eastern Conference finished the regular season uh, with 100 points or more. And you know, the parity and, and the level of play has never been higher. Uh, but this is a deep uh, character New York Ranger team, and I expect them to come out gunning at 3.30 today. Adam Graves is my guest. Adam, is it fun for you to watch a team learn how to win, a young team like this learning how to win? You talk about experience, but there's, there's certain things that you have to learn along the way, and, and one of them is learning how to win. Is it fun for you watching that? Without question. I, I think the hardest part for me sometimes, and even as a player now uh, being a huge fan and, and a small part of the uh, uh, you know this, this journey, is the time in between games and uh, you know, the, the focus is, as you know, once playoffs start, um, you know, the, the focus is so much, it's 24 uh, seven on, on preparing for, for the next game, but watching this team and, and seeing them. And, and as you know, it's such a skilled game now, but when playoffs start in the national hockey league, now it's a little bit of a combination of old time hockey and the new skill speed, it becomes a heavier game and people finish their checks. You're trying to wear teams down. It's a seven-game series, uh, and and it's not an 82-game marathon. This is more of a, a sprint, so to speak. So you're really uh, zoning in or, or, or focusing on the detail of it and, and really trying to, to, to play physical. You're, you're trying to tighten things up, which I, I think the Rangers have played some of their most disciplined, um, structured hockey in the first two games of the series and easily could have had you know, win out of it, but didn't. But that's all part of uh, the organic growth. When I when I look and I, I see Lindgren and I see uh, uh, Keandre Miller, I mean, Miller has been outstanding. Just the evolution of their organic growth in their game. Uh, Snyder, young defenseman that uh, has less than a uh, half a year NHL experience, but I see the growth in him from shift to shift and period to period. Uh, it's it's really exciting. It, it is really exciting. And, and the thing that I probably respect and enjoy the most about this this club is that they are so close. They're a tight-knit group from, from the older guys all the way to the, the, the youngest guys. They really look out for each other. And, and Chris Drury has, has um, made some nice moves to bring in, whether it's a, a cop or, or, uh, or a, a, mot, a mot, you know, these guys that really uh, uh, bring – uh, a, a lot to the, the the table and a fit in seamlessly and, and, and makes for for exciting hockey and certainly when you have maybe the best goaltender in the National Hockey League uh, in net it gives you confidence even if you go down to nothing with a Shesterkin. Adam, let's talk about Igor. Uh, had some bumpy roads in the previous series with the Penguins, but we know his body of work from being in the regular season. He looks like he's back on track in the first two games here. What has what has been the adjustment for him, and how has you know the players around him made some adjustments with clearing out in front of the net so he has a better view of what's of the puck coming at him? Well, again, and I look at that first series. I mean, that first game, he stopped 79 shots against uh, in the overtime first game of the uh, Pittsburgh series. And he has the ability to, to to win games. And there's not too many goalies you can say that that's an elite, I, I think, category of, of goaltender. And for me, uh, Shosturkin's greatest strength uh, for me is just his hockey sense and understanding of the game and knowing where the puck's going to be. And uh, you can watch a game and you see zip, 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 like a bunch of passes, and then all of a sudden the other team will shoot. And it's like, oh. And he's just sitting there waiting for it because he knows where the puck is going. And, and then his ability to handle the puck. That pass that he made when uh, Cried scored on the rebound after uh, hitting uh, uh, Mika for, for a breakaway, 
might have been one of the best passes, forget about a goaltender, one of the best passes, long nights passes that you've seen in the game in the last 20 years. Uh, and he has that ability. And, and he's just so calm. And, and as a team, when you look back, and, and I know uh, having Mike Richter in the net, and I remember standing on the blue line and, and thinking about looking back and seeing Mike in the net, you felt like you had an advantage. You, you had it. He, he would give you a chance to win. And, and Mike was one of those big game goaltenders that uh, saved his best for the most important time. And, and I think that uh, you saw that in the last, you know, throughout the first round uh, uh, with uh, Igor, that uh, he really, really, uh, you know, made some huge saves in the key times. And, and uh, he's a, a Vezina Trophy, uh, uh, you know, probably winner this year for, for a reason. And uh, he's, he's done it at every level. Uh, and he's he's going to continue to do it because he has that type of, uh, I think, hockey sense, but more importantly, work ethic and all those other things that go with it. You know, Adam, for people that watched you play, one of your many strengths as a player was being aggressive and finding places on the ice to get scoring chances. What can the Rangers do? I mean, one goal in two games is not going to get it done, Adam. What can they do to get some more goals starting this afternoon? Well, again, playoffs are all about, especially when you're in a series, it's about adjustments. And I think they were even talking, you know, talking about adjustments on the power play because Carolina is not giving you as much time and space. So you have to figure out how to get that puck to the bumper guy in the middle and, and really spread the puck out, move it quickly and get them to, you know, settle them down so they, they get caught in between. And at the same time, Ranta has played very well, obviously. Um, you need to get pucks and more shots and get into the paint and, and some of those other areas. And, and sometimes when the puck's not going in, you, you have to play a little bit of an uglier game, as, as you said, get into those areas, shoot from everywhere, crash the net, look for those, uh, those rebounds. Uh, uh, but again, uh, Gerard Gallant's an excellent coach and the entire staff, they'll be making adjustments. Uh, and they'll be watching tape, and they have been watching tape. They'll be making adjustments, and certainly being at the Garden, you get the last change. So, so the, the, the Rangers will be working uh, uh, in the game where they're going to have the matchups they want. Whereas in Carolina, when you're the home team, you get the last change, you get the matchup, whatever line against whatever line. So it, it's going to be interesting to see some of those subtle changes and certainly the matchups tonight. And, and certainly, the uh, for me, the biggest uh, thing at the Garden is going to be the energy and the support of the crowd. And I know uh, when the Rangers, uh, you step out onto the ice, it's almost like having a six-man. No question about it. Adam, thank you for your time. I got two more for you before I let you go. Uh, you mentioned the crowd. We expect the Rangers will come out flying, riding the energy of that crowd. But we saw it in the Pittsburgh series. How important is it to sustain that energy and not get overhyped and kind of burn yourself out early? Well, I, I will tell you, it's, it, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that because it starts – I mean, you walk you walk down the street and you see no quit in New York. I, I was walking around this morning uh, with a coffee and just seeing so many people around, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the city with Ranger blue on. Uh, you can you can feel it's almost palpable, and that, that's the thing you remember. Even at the you don't just have to be at the fan zone uh, that we have on 34th and 7th there. It's it's everywhere you walk in the city. You see people walking around with Ranger T-shirts, and when you get into the garden. The, the energy is just, it's, it's special. And I always said that, that it was a privilege to wear that jersey and be on Garden Ice. And certainly the Rangers are at their best when they're playing at full speed, physical, aggressive. They're a young, hungry, uh, you know, talented team. And when they're playing that way, and the perfect example of that is the kid line, 
you know, they are really playing with an edge and they're, they're you know, really pushing, uh, I think, the, the tempo of the game and, and not only just speed-wise, but just equally as important physical-wise uh, in every area of the ice. And then it's funny how things fall into place when you do that. There's no question about it. Adam, how, as you look overall for the season, how has Coach Gallant really, really brought this team together and given them the success that they are, that they you know, obtained thus far being into, you know, this game three this afternoon? Well, I, I think, first of all, I was fortunate enough to play with Gerard uh, when I broke in with the Detroit Red Wings back in the mid-'80s. Uh, and and I just know his leadership skills. I, I know how grounded and, and good a person he is that uh, if you look at this hockey club, I, I think there's seven or eight or nine players that have had career years under him where um, he – he just gives the, the uh, uh, or, or creates an environment and a culture that uh, promotes, uh, I, I think, uh, you, you know, the confidence and, and certainly belief in, in, in what they can accomplish as, as, a, as a team. And, and I think he's, he's, a, he's an honest, hardworking type of guy that you just you respect. And, and uh, to a player, um, you know, they respect him so much they just play the, you know, this, you know, is, is, is hard as any any team in the league. And I, I think he's he's brought that and he will continue to bring that. Uh, Gerard Gallant's had success everywhere he's gone. He won a uh, Memorial Cup up in, in, in Canada. Uh, he's won championships and, and he was the same way as a player. He was a character guy that people respected just because of who he was, as, first of all, as a person, because it starts with uh, you as the person. Adam, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. Uh, you and the Rangers are always doing such great work in the community. I respect all the things that you've done since you've left the ice and all the things you did while you were on the ice. And we thank you for a couple of minutes. And there's no quitting in New York, and we expect a nice win today. Thanks, Adam. Thank you very much. Take care. Have a great day. All right, you too. Thanks a lot. Adam Graves. Hmm. Always good talking to Adam. All right, let's get your thoughts. 1-800-919-3776. Ranger fans, how are you feeling today? How do you feel about, are you on your way to the garden? What's the mindset you have? What are you expecting from your team today? What do you think has to change for the Rangers to get a win in the win column 